Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me today, all the way down in Rosebud, Texas, is my good friend, Caleb Jenks. Caleb, how are you doing this evening? Doing good, Patrick. It's good to be back on here. Yeah, I'm excited for tonight's topic. We decided to go with a pretty controversial one, so this will be exciting because I know I'll get a lot of hate mail from people that both love me and hate me. That's how we know we're doing our job. Are you sure there's both? There are both. Uh, There are? Okay. Yeah, and it's so funny. I get... Let's stick to the subject. I don't want to start getting off into the weeds in the first minute. We are talking about demonic oppression and mental health in the Bible. This is my intro to try to give everybody something to complain about. So, Caleb, what I have found is that it is very easy for people to want to run to one side or the other of the spectrum and make their camp on the extreme ends of the spectrum. You'll right. have some people that will say every problem is demonic spiritual attack. And we can chalk it all up to it is demonic spiritual attack. You will have other people that will say demonic spiritual attack is just a myth and there is no such thing. And the Bible doesn't support either of those views. The Bible and I'm going to say me on this episode believe, explain, and are based upon two assumptions. Disease is real. Demonic oppression is real. Do you have any problem with that before we go any further? No, absolutely not. Okay, with that... I don't think Jesus has any problem with that either. Now, the idea that demonic and spiritual attacks are a myth is kind of absurd for any Bible-believing Christian. Let's face it. Those are the action scenes of the New Testament. That is the exciting stuff. That's what we want to see. That is gripping All that talking on a hillside about loving your enemies. Ah, I mean, we, we put up with it, but you know, let's cut to some action when we're casting out demons of these sick people. So before we go much further into the Bible, I also wanted to talk about the difference between demonic oppression versus demonic possession. And that's another hotly debated idea in Christianity. And I should also tell people, once you start moving into angels and demons and the spiritual realm, people are going to watch. People are going to listen. People are interested in those things. Unfortunately, Hollywood has ruined christianity in america movies and books that are not the bible not the 66 that we use they have painted pictures of what angels and demons and the spiritual realm and demonic oppression and demonic possession what they look like and what they are and unfortunately it's oftentimes not associated 
with the Bible and what God said, what God wrote, what Jesus said, what what Jesus did while he was here on earth. So you have a lot of people that are going to have some weirdo beliefs. And I get it. Uh, You don't have to agree with us. We're going to try to use a lot of the Bible to describe what we're talking about here. But the first thing I wanted to talk about was this idea of demonic oppression and demonic possession. And those are two different things. Do you have any problem with that so far? No, I'm no, I'm no spiritual expert on this topic, but obviously there's, um, there's clear examples biblically that would support the fact that there is both possession and oppression. Agreed. Uh, so, it, and it's not, it's not one of the same. Correct. And somebody that is being oppressed by the devil, by demons, by evil spirits, to, just to use, um, or unclean spirits, I should say. Uh, they are evil. Don't get me wrong. I I just, I'm trying to use the Bible word, the Bible terms. When we talk about those things, understand that the people that suffer from those things are not necessarily able to be possessed by those evil, dark entities. Demonic possession is a condition in which one or more unclean spirits, demons, devils, inhabit the body of a human being and can take complete control of their victim. That is possession. Where you are a marionette, they have control, they are pulling the strings, they get to make you do and say. That is demonic possession. They possess you. Demonic possession does not take place with those who are born again. I'm going to say that again. Demonic possession does not take place with those who are born again. Any issue with that? No, I would I would think it's impossible to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and also have uh, Satan uh sharing they, them right. sharing a bunk bed so to speak <laughs> right okay right. and what caleb is explaining and i'm gonna give you a scripture for this he is talking about the idea that the holy ghost indwells every born-again believer while non-believers cannot receive him and we read about this in john chapter 14 verses 16 and 17 and this is me quoting jesus from the gospel of john once again chapter 14 verses 16 and 17 and i will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter capital c comforter that he may abide with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you so the doctrine of the indwelling of the holy spirit is very simple those who are born again god lives inside of us and this is something important to understand jesus said there is a better system than if i were to stay here and continue to live with you and be around you and hang out with you 
all day, every day. Because remember, Jesus did this with his disciples for what we believe to be three years. And Jesus is saying, there's a better system. And that is if I go, because then the spirit of truth, the comforter, who we call the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, can indwell every believer all at once. You see, when Jesus was here on earth, Jesus could be hanging out with Caleb in, well, it wouldn't have been Rosebud, Texas, but let's say he could be hanging out with Caleb up north in the city of Dan, where, you know, that I mean, that's where Jesus would have found him because Jeroboam built a temple and put golden calves in there. So that's where Caleb would have been. <laughs> or he could have been hanging out with Patrick. I mean, obviously down in Jerusalem, okay, doing something <laughs> holy and godly. But he couldn't have hung out with both of us at the same time. That's not what Jesus did. But Jesus said, when I leave, you get the Holy Spirit of God. He is going to not only be with you, he's going to dwell in you. He's going to live in you. And that's going to be forever. So that's the great promise that the born-again believer gets. Additionally, we have to understand, and Caleb has made this point several times on this podcast, there is not a pecking order where it's God and then a little bit lower is the devil and a little bit lower than that is the angels and then we're right here. That's not the way it works. The devil is here. We are like right underneath here and God is so far above above both of us that he is infinitely far above us he is so much greater that it is literally like when we have a mosquito on us and we're like eh, and we just squish it and it doesn't mean anything because who cares it's a mosquito that doesn't even begin to describe the difference in the greatness of god above the demons and the devils and the unclean spirits and lucifer so don't think that somehow the demons can possess you while the holy spirit of god is living inside of you and the holy spirit's like well i don't know what i mean i'm i'm outnumbered I'm, there's right. there's several of them there's only one of me in here i don't know what to do that's not the way it works so the born-again believer cannot be possessed by demons. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. Tonight we are talking about demonic oppression and how that manifests itself in the life of the Christian physically and obviously we're talking about mental health. So how the devil can oppress people, Christians and non-Christians, through mental health mental oppression caleb that was all by the way of intro thank you for letting me go on i just kind of wanted to lay a foundation you gave me like 10 minutes so uh with that jump on in and let me hear what you think about what i went over and if there was anything you wanted to start with uh before we you know start kind of going back and forth and figuring out what direction we're going to go in yeah so obviously you mentioned God's greatness uh, above above 
all of creation, above uh, the spiritual world. And as Christians, uh, we can we can rest assured with a quite a bit of peace that uh, as a born again Christian, believing and having faith in Jesus, that we have authority over the the devils, the demons, whatever. So uh, this topic uh, f- topic should be a scary topic for anyone other than the Christian, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, because th- because Satan does have. He is the ruler of this world. He is going to and fro, seeing who he can devour. And so obviously he, uh, there's no denying that Satan is alive and well and active in meddling in the lives of mankind. But as Christians, we can have authority over him. So it shouldn't be a, it, although it is a controversial topic, it shouldn't be something that Christians would approach fearfully. Uh, it should be something that we can approach with authority and knowing that we, that there is, that there is freedom over this. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's um, something that should be discussed, uh, but also, and, and, and should be some uh, care given toward the subject. It shouldn't be so dismissive of it that we don't spend any time on it. But I just wanted to give that first option to say, as Christians, like you said, if you have the Holy Spirit, uh, you are, you can have freedom from this. And so it's, it's actually, <laughs> I've, I've heard some people uh, talk about it very dismissively. And then others talk about it with some pleasure in the fact that because we have the power of the, of Jesus in us, that we can, we have authority over this issue. So we're kind of, the devil gets to, we get, we get to put the devil in his place and that's pretty cool. We're on the winning um, side. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I brought this topic up because I was I was studying for a message at our church, and I was I was thinking some about this topic, and thinking how how little uh, how little that we can give consideration, or at least for myself, how little I give consideration toward the spiritual world on the the negative side, and yet how common it is for us as Christians to to call call each other up and ask for prayer we we expect god to god to deliver us or or meddle in our lives um but don't really give a lot of thought to how much satan could be meddling in our lives and so i was just thinking that it's it's worth giving some thought or or discussion to this topic and we have we put a lot of faith in god as the creator in the beginning and the savior at the end of time uh the eternal life but as far as our present day, do we really depend on God to deliver us from uh, either possession or oppression from from Satan? And if you're experiencing these things, what kind of answers is there for it? And I think the answer we find the answers in the Bible. And so it's I think it's a, a good topic to get on and and to discuss. So let me jump in with one more little anecdote to kind of set the stage a little more. It sounded like you were done. I, I wasn't cutting you off. Yeah, was yeah, I? go okay. right ahead. So this was from this was from a, a pastor. So he had a board certified psychiatrist and you know a gentleman who was a professing Christian in his church and he asked him the following question. What if I told you I was counseling somebody who spoke in multiple different voices? They were violent they were prone to hurting others and they were disposed to harming themselves. How would you diagnose such a person? And the psychiatrist responded, well, you know, being that I can't actually examine this person, you know, but we're, we're talking hypotheticals. He said, my 
armchair diagnosis would lead me to believe that he was perhaps suffering from a dissociative identity disorder or perhaps some kind of psychosis. The pastor followed up, well, why not demon possession? After all, I just described the behavior of the demon-possessed man in the tomb in Luke chapter 8. So I bring that up to really ask this follow-up question. Caleb, you tell me how much mental illness and addiction is being misdiagnosed in America today because so many Christians are unwilling to accept the spiritual reality that Jesus talked about every day. Uh, I would say it's more convenient and comfortable for us to assume that something is medical in nature or psychological in nature and not spiritual because that's just, it's messy and it's uncomfortable. So I would say, I don't know if I would put a statistic on it, but I would, I would say there's a, can we say some better than, yeah, I would say I'd say better than twenty five percent. I don't know sure. what the numbers might be. Obviously, but if I was to take a we could guess. we could we could guess with statistics. And then the fact is, I love statistics. Um, Seventy two point eight percent of all statistics are made up on the spot, and that's helpful. You just made that one. <laughs> but can we at least agree that the answer must be greater than zero? Yeah, exactly. And the problem is, like I said in the beginning, so many people, including Christians, including pastors, people that go to church regularly, that, that read their Bible and pray before meals, they don't want to deal with the idea that demonic oppression is a real problem with Christians and with non-believers, people in and out of churches today. That's my point. Is that a fair point? Yeah, absolutely. And I think to back that up scripturally, we see we see Jesus in his ministry uh, predominantly was healing people or casting out devils. Mm-hmm. That was the number one and number two things that he did before the cross. Uh, he obviously taught a lot, spent time walking with people, but as far as his acts, the things that people tried to get him in trouble for, for doing on the Sabbath or, for, you know, the things that were notable, like you said, when he, when he stopped teaching and actually did something, <laughs> that's, that that's sounds what we so terrible. <laughs> Just roll your eyes at the last part and finally did something. <laughs> so oh. that's what he was doing. He was either healing somebody or casting out demons. And oftentimes by Both. casting out demons that <laughs> he healed. was healing them because his, their physical ailments were, uh, were spiritual in nature. And so when he cast out the demon, then they were able, they were no longer lame or, or whatever. So I would say if it was that common then that almost every time Jesus turns around, which maybe it wasn't that often, mm-hmm. it just seems that it's pretty frequently. Maybe, maybe they record it, maybe every single obviously recorded. Yeah. I mean, but who's going to record, you know, yeah, we walked for a day and a half. It was right. uneventful. Let me tell you all about it. You know, that's not what was recorded in the Gospels. I mean, you, no, don't get me wrong. Some of those things were said, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, that wasn't what needed, you know, 
to be said. No, they told they told about the journey to get there because they were going to go cast out of Devil. Yeah, <laughs> somebody that's that's what they were doing. So if it was that common, then I think the odds are pretty. Uh, if you've ever gone to Walmart after like eleven o'clock <laughs> at night. I'm pretty sure you've seen somebody that has some sort of demonic demonic oppression, oppression or, possession. or possession. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if it was that common in Jerusalem, then it's got to be the odds are that you know somebody or have or have come into contact with somebody that has has been tormented by Satan, and and Jesus himself was tempted by Satan. So if if the devil went and messed with Jesus, I don't think he's above messing with somebody that's you know living the American dream. So let me give you an example in the Bible. If we go to Mark chapter one. And we read from verse, uh, starting in verse 22, I'm going to read four verses. So just to give everyone at home an idea of how much of the podcast they need to fast forward to skip over the Bible part and get back to, get back to us. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Now, the only reason I'm bringing this up is to make one point. The person with the unclean spirit... Where was he found? Near the temple. No, it said in the synagogue. My point is, someone that was in the synagogue had an unclean spirit. It seems, from the way you read this story, that it was someone who was normally there. It didn't seem like it was just some weirdo that just wandered in that day. It seemed like this was a person who was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, just like every other. And my point is simply that we see people who are going to that house of worship. The this Obviously, these were the Jews, Gentiles, you know didn't go in the synagogues, Uh, certainly not on the Sabbath day, but really at all. And there was someone in there that had an unclean spirit. My point is simply, there are many people that struggle with issues in the church, especially we have uh, addiction. That's a big one. We have substance abuse through alcohol, through drug addiction, uh, pornography, and sex addiction is a big one in the church today. And the people that suffer from all of these things, I am telling you, demons are associated with all of it. There is a spiritual solution to all of those things. I'm not saying that people don't need the help of a professional, a therapist, a counselor, an MD, a psychiatrist. I'm not saying those people are not helpful or that they are not needed in some cases. What I am saying is that the Bible explains the association between demons and certain sins. 
and we need help, spiritual help, in order to overcome certain problems. Any issue with that? No. Uh, I think that if you were to, without being a spiritual guru or expert at being able to tell you tell you how to know when somebody's possessed or oppressed by a demon, uh, those would be issues. The Holy Spirit, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is, is it cleanses us and, and kills sin. Mm-hmm. And so if you have if you have the absence of the Holy Spirit cleansing you from sin and you have uh, these these areas of your life where sin is just taken over and running rampant, the devil has you right where he wants you at that point. So that's that's a pretty good telltale sign that there's the influence or oppression from from Satan at that point, I would say. Well, if we're going I think that honestly, Caleb, that was a great segue into something that i had down here which was a little bit of an explanation concerning demonic oppression and the christian and how they're associated how you go down that road because let's face it not every christian is suffering from demonic oppression but some are and there's a there's a there's a reason and the bible talks about it so i wanted to bring up a couple verses and i wanted to hear your thoughts on them and uh I, I know that we're going to get pushback on some of this, and that's fine. The first one I wanted to start with was Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. This is a very short verse. It's six words, but we learn something very specific in these six words. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Right. We can argue about the details of this verse and the whole chapter, but it clearly says, Caleb, that my decisions and actions are what allow the devil access. Do you agree? Absolutely. It says neither. So that's like me telling Caleb, now don't you give place to the devil. I'm telling Caleb that he has to make a decision to not give place to the devil. Do you understand that the devil just doesn't gain access to anyone that he wants at any time? As a matter of fact, when we go through the Bible, we see the devil gain access to people, specifically God's people, those who are born again. We see the devil gain access to those people in two ways number one god grants permission as in the book of job or number two we grant permission we give the devil permission and access to move in and get a foothold and start going down that path of oppression any issue there nope i think that's that's spot on um a couple, a couple other scriptural er, uh, scripture, areas in scripture that back that viewpoint up. Give it to me. Is in the beginning uh, when God created us, there was Satan didn't have authority, but Satan comes in the garden to the woman, tempting her, and at that woman at that point, mankind gave an invitation to Satan to to. Um, we, we bowed down and submitted to Satan. And so it, at that point, Satan came to Jesus later on, and Jesus resisted the devil. But when mankind 
uh, allowed or went ahead and believed the lies of Satan. At that point, I believe, was the time where we invited Satan in to become the ruler of this world. Yeah, up until that point, uh, he didn't have as much authority over us. And and God at that point went ahead and was like, okay, that's fine. If you want to go this route, that's fine. But you're going to have the, you're going to deal with the consequences of that. So we invited him in. Whereas in the case with Jesus, the devil, Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. Satan uh, tries and tries to get Jesus. It, interestingly enough, he was able to take Jesus up into the mountain, up to the top of the temple and have these conversations with Jesus. And every time Jesus pushed back, quoted, requoted the same scriptures or, or quoted other scriptures back to Satan, telling him, no, this isn't actually not what God said. This is what the Bible says and get the hints. And so he, he kept Satan at bay and Satan didn't have authority over Jesus. That was an individual situation where Jesus could have gone ahead and, and gone with what the devil wanted and, and, and given him access into his life. And I think the same thing with us as individuals. We, when Satan comes to tempt us, we can, we can push back or we can go ahead and open up. And so when, when we do yield to sin in our lives and we just, we just live in sin, that's, that is making room for the devil. And in uh, Romans 8, it says, there is therefore no condemnation, condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned, condemned sin in the flesh. Uh, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Over and over again, it it compares walking after the, the flesh or the spirit. And I think when we choose to walk after the flesh, it opens us up to, to Satan uh, tempting us, continuing to uh, oppress us through, through that sin. You brought up the temptation of Jesus after he had fasted and was tired and weak. And uh, there was a verse that I had here that I thought was very applicable to that. You, you explained how Jesus used scripture when he was, we'll call it combating uh, the temptations of the devil. Right. In James 4, 7 and 8, it says, and there are two big words here. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The Bible says we are to submit to God, and we are to resist the devil. So again, Caleb, we have the choice. We can submit to the devil and resist God. And right. that is what allows the devil to come in. Jesus resisted the devil, obviously, and he taught us how to do it. Like you said, he quoted scripture. We have the option. Every Christian does. Caleb, you and I both know Christians. Some are well-meaning that are struggling and others are morons that just think there's no such thing as consequences. And they submit themselves to the devil, and they do the will of the devil. There's all kinds of sin in their life, and, and there are Christians, there are so many of them in America today that think there are no consequences for those sins, 
and they don't understand that they are allowing the devil into their life, they are allowing and granting the devil access and authority over their life. They are bringing in unclean spirits, demons and devils, as the Bible talks about. And the Bible talks about how this does not just affect you. It affects your entire family by simply submitting to the devil and resisting God. And God tells us to do the opposite. He not only says, submit to me and resist the devil. He says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. He gives us the solution to how to get away from that. It's not complicated. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more, you know, as we go. When you have someone who is overwhelmed by demonic oppression and they can't seem to get out and they are being eaten alive by it, they're in addiction, they have anxiety, they have depression, when they are being tormented by the devil. And again, I have to bring up a caveat just because people are morons and even though we said it clearly in the beginning we got to say it again i am not saying that every single person that has anxiety or depression that it is from demonic oppression that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that some of it is and we have to recognize it some mental illness has a spiritual component we cannot write it off writing off a spiritual component for all mental illness is just as ridiculous and stupid as saying that anything bad that's happening in your life, it is because of demons and devils. We can't say that. A cut on your hand and a subsequent infection is not because of the devil. That's not how it works. We are not taking either side of this argument to an extreme, but I am absolutely saying that mental illness has a spiritual component and we have to accept that there are times when it is a spiritual problem more than a physical one caleb your thoughts yeah i i think i mean i've watched so many court cases where they're like ah maybe this guy has a mental illness you know and the guy is just a dark evil monster yeah i'm watching them and i'm like no that's a demon we just need to kill (laughs) him (laughs) yeah uh, and so uh, i think i think it's unwise i mean it's one thing if the court system looks at it that way but if we're in the if we are in the church and we are trying to come up with natural explanations to supernatural problems when Mm -hmm. we have the authority and the and we're the only ones with the authority because of jesus we do have the authority to say we're not going to be we're not going to be oppressed by satan and yet we continue to allow him to have reign in areas of our lives um i heard somebody tell uh, say it i can't remember who it was but i heard somebody say that if you don't deal with a demon inside then you're just you're not having your church it's just uh uh it's just a daycare for demons yeah <laughs> and i mean it's really true because you see somebody some some people that try every different avenue or, or aspect of I, i've worked with a bunch of guys that were trying to get victory over pornography and they've tried um, every different software that they could put on their device or whatever and and the, the problem persists and they continue to fall back into the sin and there is a spiritual side of deliverance that you have to seek 
uh, along with, I mean, there, there can be other tools that can be used to help with some of these issues, addictions. I know, I know Patrick's done a lot with, um, people that have substance abuse addictions and, and helping people with that. And so there's obviously practical things that you can do to help that. But as a church and as Christians, we shouldn't ever ignore the supernatural element of these things and, and, and assume that there's nothing spiritual going on because uh, Satan, once we open those doors up and Satan gets a foothold in our life, he d- he's not going to want to let go of that. No, he's, got control. he's no. got control over that aspect and he's able to, he's able to ruin your life through it, which is obviously what he wants to do. Let me give you a, another piece of scripture. And I just want people to understand how this spiritual component is part of the solution for a physical problem. And this is found in Matthew 17, starting in verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. So this is a demon who was trying to get this young man to kill himself. Verse 16, and I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Caleb, I'm going to give you another one. What we're talking about here is a child who is taking part in self-harm. What are the common ways? What, what's the biggest way that children do self-harm, physically harm themselves nowadays? What's the one you hear about a lot? Cutting. Cutting. You right. got it. Now, this one did not mention cutting, and, and we, could, we could go to another story, but when you uh, read about the maniac of Gadara. He was out living in the tombs and he was naked. And what was he doing all the time? He was cutting himself. Read it. Find that scripture and read it, people. Okay. Continue on. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because I don't know. I, don't know. I wouldn't read this next verse. Half of the people that listen to this pod, podcast have never heard it before Bible. in their life. So it's, I it's should not, just skip it's it. It's not in their Bibles. So yeah, you might want to skip it. In case, I mean, okay. So in verse we could, 20, we, we could just say if you're, if you're King James, if you, if you have a King James Bible and you want to hear this verse, you can go on to the rest yeah, of the Otherwise, you have mute almost it. any other translation, you might just, want to mute this for the next 30 seconds because this is not in your Bible. Caleb knows where I'm going with this. In verse 20. So we're in Matthew chapter 17 and I'm up to verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if he have, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. What a great place to stop the story, don't you think? Oh, wait, there's one more verse. If you have a King James Bible. If you have any of the other perversions, like, uh, I don't know, an NIV or an NASB or pretty much all of them, it skips the next verse. Because the devil helped translate. But anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, because the devil helped translate those other versions. Jesus continues, and he says one more thing. 
but this verse just isn't in other Bibles. And you know what's crazy about it? You read the story and it just goes verse 19, verse 20, verse 22, and they just take it out of there. Jesus says in verse 21, how be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. That the devil doesn't the devil doesn't want us. Devil doesn't that. want you knowing about that. There is a spiritual solution to this young man who is engaged in self-harm. That is mental illness. And Jesus said, We can deliver this boy. I just did it. You're wondering why you couldn't do it. Because remember, Caleb, this story is right after Jesus gathers up the 12 and says, all power in heaven is given unto you. And you're going to go out and you're going to do all these amazing miracles for, for a brief time. And you're going to do this to bring glory to the Father and prove to everyone that not only the Messiah, but the disciples of the Messiah can have the power that the Messiah has when it is his will. So they were given all this power and they were going out and doing amazing things. They impressed themselves. That's what the Bible says. They couldn't believe the power that they had and they could not heal this one young man. And they came back to Jesus and they said, why can't we do it? And Jesus says, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. See, Jesus was involved in a fast. And that's why he was able to cast out this unclean spirit where the rest of them were not able to. Jesus rebuked the devil and was able to do it. There is a spiritual element there is a spiritual solution. And here, folks, again, you want to go to a counselor? You want to go to a therapist? That's fine. That's fine. No one's telling you not to do that. No one is saying to get off your medication. I want to go on record right now, and I want to say that half of my listeners need to get back on their meds. That will help your church. At least the ones on YouTube, right? At the least that the, those that comment on YouTube. Just get back on your meds. Nobody is uh, saying not to use professionals. What we are saying is that there are times when there is a spiritual element, when there is demonic oppression, and if there's a spiritual problem, it requires a spiritual solution. That is what we are saying. Caleb, do you have any problems with that? No. No, I think and the the interesting thing about a lot of these scenarios. So, Patrick, you brought up the situation where there was the man that was in the the um, the maniac I, of Gadara. The, the no, the guy that was in the synagogue that ended up being possessed. Oh, yeah that probably had been there on a regular basis and no one knew he was possessed. They might've thought he's a little weird or something, but until Jesus shows up and all of a sudden he, he cries out. uh, And uh, these, uh, the interesting thing about these demons is no matter how dumb the person is that that they're possessed, the demons have knowledge of the spirit world. They, they recognize Jesus right off. 
there was this it's the story where he cast out the devils into the the pigs mm-hmm. and the demon had cried out uh through the guy that that was living in and, and he's like hey why why have you come here to torment us before the time uh, or asked have you, have you come here to torment us before the time so obviously the demons knew at that point they had uh good eschatology they, they understood <laughs> they understood the fact they knew the scriptures they yep. know the fact that eventually that there's a pit that they're going to be tied up in yeah. they understand there's coming a they day understand. yeah they know that and then they see jesus and they're like what, what have you to do with us if you come to here to torment us before the time because they know it's not time yet yeah here's jesus and so they recognize Jesus. And then when Jesus delivers that man, he casts out the demons and they go into this herd of pigs. I don't know how many demons it was, but apparently enough demons to go out and possess the whole herd of pigs. And they go into the water and drown. Uh, so here it, it's it's interesting because most of these times, I don't know how dramatic the the possession was. While I mean, sometimes it sounds like it was pretty dramatic mm-hmm. that they were a very troubled individual. Other times maybe not so troubled until the demon comes out, but it was pretty dramatic. The deliverance at that point, when absolutely. Jesus them. It was, it was much like other times that we have in the old Testament where God delivered his people from bondage in Egypt or whatever, where it was a, a quite a dramatic deliverance that Jesus came and delivered people from these devils. And so it's, it's interesting to me that we that we very rarely, aside from um, probably paid actors on these televangelist shows, it's not very often that you hear of people getting, you know, in real life, getting delivered from demons. But it happened left and right, not with only Jesus, but with his disciples. And it was a radical, radical transformation for the for these people. And it's it seems to me that that if okay so if i would have been most of these people they came back to to thank him or to to go and tell everybody what happened to them after they were freed from the devil like it was the best thing that ever happened to them if you had i was thinking about it the other day if you had demonic oppression or possession wouldn't that be the best thing in the world that could ever happen to you is to get the devil out of your life i mean that's that's the most radical crazy good thing that happened to these people is Jesus came along and he kicked the devil out of their life and they were no, no longer tormented. And yet as Christians, I think, I think that we're so afraid of getting into messy issues like this, that we would prefer that it was something that we could just medicate and put a bandaid on yes. and seek counseling for, and not actually ever delve into the spiritual area of it because it's an uncomfortable topic. And so you may struggle and and have struggled for 20 years with something uh, that is an addiction or a problem that you have, and you're not willing to say, okay, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, Mm -hmm. not willing to humble yourself and come under the, uh, under the deliverance of, of Christ. It's much like the children of, of Israel when they're leaving Egypt and they keep wanting to go back. They just wanted the comfort of their old life in Egypt. They wanted to go back and, and be beat by their slave masters because that was what they knew and what they'd come become accustomed to when God was trying to deliver them. And it wasn't until they saw the chariots and the horsemen, you know, bearing down on them at the Red Sea that they finally realized how badly that they needed the deliverance and they cry out to God and he, he delivers them. But then it, once again, as soon as they get to the other side, they turn back and they want to go back. And so we see that with people uh, in the that had been delivered from demons that that they went back to that old life and invited Satan back in into their life and they were repossessed or whatever. Uh, so it's important as Christians that somebody is not only delivered from Satan, but is 
is filled with the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God comes in and, and fills their life to take the place of that, you know, that spiritual void that's there. And there's actually uh, scripture about that. I did not write it down, but you just made me think of it about how uh, the demon leaves and then he comes back and he finds that, you know, the vessel is swept and clean and he brings back, I don't know, seven more. Right. That it's worse. Yeah. worse than it, it's worse than around. it was the, the first. Yeah. So don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm sure I butchered the verse. But Caleb, you, you brought me um, back around to the point that we were making earlier about how these things start out, how the demon, how the devil, how the unclean spirit starts to get a foothold in your life, how it gains access. And I just want to repeat the earlier point and give you another verse about it. We said that we have to give the devil access. It's either us or God. God owns us and God can give the devil access, but I've only read of one story where, you know, God talks about how he does this and it was his servant Job. And there was a reason for that. We don't need to get into it, but I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned that the devil's like, Hey God, can I get into Patrick? And he's like, Oh yeah, Patrick, whatever. You know, that's not what I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned about in my life and in the lives of my children and the lives of my church members, what I'm concerned with is that they have sin in their life that leads them down the road to demonic oppression where the the devil the unclean spirit the demon is able to get in and wreak havoc in first peter 5 8 and you quoted this earlier caleb we read be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour The devil is on the lookout for who he can devour. Did you get that from the verse? The devil is on the lookout for whom he may devour. You see, not everybody's available. You got it. You got it. He can't devour just anybody. Just those who are not sober and vigilant those are the ones that he can devour again it is the decision of the individual christian how much sin am i gonna live in and still call myself a christian versus how hard and fast can i run after god and how holy can i be In the Bible, Caleb, I can make you a list of the sins that seem to be associated with demonic oppression, but it's a real simple list. It's all the sins in the Bible that were capital crimes. That's it. Hmm. What was a capital crime? Idolatry, witchcraft, the occult. How many different sexual sins were capital crimes? Almost all of them. Right. Sexual perversion, adultery, pornography, all of these things. These are the ways that the devil gains entry. Homosexuality. 
the entire transgender movement, hurting children, all of these things. This is the ultimate will of the, of the devil is every capital crime listed in the Bible. Those are the ways that the devil gets a foothold. We open the door and we start going down that path. That is what we want to do. We want to submit ourselves, therefore, to God, and we want to resist the devil. Remember, it's up to you. You are the one that makes a decision. I'm not going to be sober. I'm not going to be vigilant. My Christianity is just going to be apathetic and ignorant. That's the direction I'm going in. I don't know and I don't care. That is a great first step towards opening up your life and the life of the loved ones in your home to demonic oppression. Your thoughts? Yeah, so I was... Here's a a couple of situations that I've dealt with where... And I, I don't like to stick a finger on it and say this person has demonic oppression or that Give it person me. has a demonic hey, oppression. This is Bible thumper. So Somebody's got to say it, Caleb. Who there's is been it? a couple of, of different. Is situations it your in laws? Because where... I'll support that. <laughs> I've never even met them. <laughs> no, there's there's a couple of situations where I've where I've seen people that were dealing with issues in their lives where I was pretty confident that this was it was something that was outside of their control. Like no matter how much they wanted to change it. It seemed that it seemed to me that it was spiritual in nature, and that there wasn't deliverance from it. And in a, at least one of the situations, um, okay. So if you go back to we had talked about some of the things that the demons say. So the demons that that talked to Jesus, they they recognized him, they knew who he was, they obviously didn't question his identity. They said, you know, they they said you're Jesus. The, the son of God. We have in uh, Matthew chapter eight, the situation with the, 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 the demons that went into the pigs. And let's see if I can find it. Behold, this is Matthew eight, verse 29. Behold, they cried out saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God, art thou come hither to torment us before the time. Here's a situation where they believed in Jesus. These demons believe in Jesus. They weren't Christians, right? They weren't saved. 100% believed he was the Messiah. Correct. So you can encounter people that that are possibly in church, that believe in God, that are not saved, that do not have the Holy Spirit, and they yet they believe you know, they, they'll say, oh, yeah, I believe in the man upstairs. I believe that there's a greater there's a greater uh, force out there. I believe, you know, whatever they believe in God. Maybe they even say they believe in Jesus and they've maybe even put some faith in him, but haven't. They're not born there's again. Even, they're not born again. There's even examples of this in there in the New Testament over and over again. There was people that had been um, they had be, repented of their sins. They had been baptized. And then later on, it shows that they were filled with the Holy Spirit sometime after that. So you may run across people that you would naturally assume this person is a saved, born again Christian. And so, uh, and, and you don't realize that maybe they actually haven't been born again. Can know, I, maybe they do believe. Yeah, go ahead. Can I jump in there? And then I just, yep. while you're on that point, 
Caleb, this morning, my uh, 14-year-old and I went door knocking. Okay, so we went out about 9 a.m., got done about noon. You Je- you're Jehovah's Witness now? No. j No. Oh, okay. Nope, not J-Dubs. We are independent Baptists. Okay. And uh, you're just, we believe- You're using the JW tactics. Well, I like to say that we are using the Apostles' tactics, and the JWs happen to get one thing right. Okay. Okay. Uh, that well, and their that's fine. That you call, you call and it anyway. their hatred of the Christmas tree. Okay, uh, fact is, folks, a broken clock is right twice a day. All right, I don't know what to tell you. So, my son and I, we're going out ruining people's you know weekend, knocking on their door, trying to talk to them about Jesus, and we're giving out you know invitations to church when no one's there. We leave a door hanger. So, Caleb, I got to talk to. I'm going to say four people where i actually had a minute or two to talk to them they weren't just in a rush to get rid of me and i got to ask them all about are they a hundred percent sure that if they were to die today they would go to heaven when they died no right or wrong answer just an honest one all four said absolutely all four could not explain to me a bible answer as to why some so they said had, they had faith that they were a pretty good person, but yep, they didn't really have I'm faith working on good. it. Okay, that was, you know, one idea. Okay, well, boy, right. that's that's really going against what the Bible says. You know, we had all kinds of stuff. People that were raised in church, people right. that go to church every week, and they could not explain anything that sounds like what Jesus said when he was questioned about how to go to heaven. Not one person said, I'm going to heaven because Jesus died on the cross and forgave me of all my sins, and I called upon the name of the Lord for salvation. Jesus is God. I believe that. I'm a sinner, and I called on him. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Do you know what I would do if I asked someone that question and they quoted Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9? I would probably kiss them full on the mouth. (laughs) In doing this for almost 20 years, I've never heard a Christian give me that answer. 57 minutes and 57 seconds into this episode. If you want to Patrick. take that clip out to put as a reel to promote the Bible Thumper podcast, it's 57 minutes and 57 seconds. Just remember that, okay? Yep. That's when Pat Patrick admitted to being fine with kissing a grown man who is a stranger on the mouth on his front porch. There you go. Caleb, it almost wow. never happens. Now, once in a while it does, but I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It's got to be one out of 50 Christians. And by Christians, I mean people that call themselves Christians and say they go to church. Now, Caleb, don't get me wrong. Some of these folks, they were were saved, okay? I'm sure they had the gospel explained to them very clearly. They they recognized, yep, I'm a sinner. I get it. I'm going to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I understand Jesus made a way. He's God. He's the only way to get to heaven. Nothing that I do, the work that he did on the cross, yes, I would like to pray to him now and call on the Lord Jesus for salvation, right? Romans 10, 9, and 10 you know, belief in your heart, confession is made with the mouth. Okay. They, they, they believe on Jesus. They put their faith in trust in, in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. I don't doubt some of them have done that. And then they just never took reading the Bible or going to church seriously. And they're not very good at communicating that that's fair. But my point is 
what Caleb is saying about how churches are, I hate to use the word filled, but churches have people in them that go through the motions and have done so for years and years and they are not saved. That is not anecdotal. That is a straw poll of Patrick's experience for over 20 years of knocking doors. That's what that is. Please continue. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good example of the fact that there are people who believe in God that are not born again and that could be possessed by demons and not know it and have been maybe attending church and have never been saved, never uh, been delivered from. They never had the old house cleaned out, the old devils kicked out and the Holy Spirit come in and, and dwell there. So we see that example in the Bible. I believe that I've seen that example personally in relationships that I've had, people that I've known, that over time you come to the conclusion that just because they say, yes, I believe in God, and that they believe that they are a Christian, doesn't necessarily mean that they're a born-again Christian, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not possessed by a demon. And so I think it's entirely possible that there are demon-possessed people who believe they're Christians that are sitting in church that have not been born again and have not had Satan removed from their life, and and they need deliverance from that, and they need to be born again, and they don't know it. Let me add something to that, because I know what someone is thinking. Someone is thinking, Caleb, if a Christian was, I'm sorry, I I shouldn't use the term Christian. If a person who is not saved, who goes to church regularly, is possessed of a devil, how could we not know that they are possessed of the devil? Let me explain that to you folks. It's very easy. If I were the devil and I was able to possess and inhabit many Christians throughout churches all over America, my goal would not be to turn them into serial killers who kill a dozen people and then get caught by the police and they're thrown in prison forever or, you know, God willing, they get the death penalty if they're, I don't know, in what, Texas or Florida, I don't know any states that do it anymore. That wouldn't be my goal if I was the devil and I could possess all these people, non-saved people in churches. My goal would be through subtlety, which is the first adjective given to the devil back in Genesis chapter 3. Through lies and deceit and subtlety, my goal would be to get that person to rise up through the ranks in that church and continually, slowly, and subtly turning people away from the Bible and the simplicity which is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his spilt blood on the cross. I would get them to slowly veer off into some form of worldly, psychological, works-based salvation. I wouldn't want to take possession of the person and have them start throwing a fit like a demon and screaming and cutting themselves. That wouldn't be my goal. My goal would be through subterfuge. My goal would be through deceit and subtlety. Doesn't that make sense? After all, that's how the Bible is described. That's how the devil is described in the Bible. Well, and even if you couldn't get them to be useful in being a wolf in sheep's clothing or false Mm -hmm. prophet astray, or an angel of light. 
I mean, I'm just saying that's one of the titles that the devil is given. Is he not angel of light who came down in the state of New York back in the early 1800s to appear to a certain guy? Do you know something, Caleb? When, when I am confronted with the story of Joseph Smith receiving golden tablets from an angel of light, do you know that there's only one part of that story that I argue with? <laughs> there's only one part. Who was the angel? Right. I have no problem with the idea that a guy believes he saw an angel of light. I have no problem with the idea that he was given golden tablets that were manifest somewhere and floated down from the sky. I have no problem with the idea that he was given a pair of magical glasses so he could translate this otherworldly language into the Book of Mormon. I'm not arguing that. None of that. You're not going to hear a word of argument on any of that. One argument. Who was the angel? Because he did not come from God. Right. Because Paul says that if we or an angel from heaven preach to you any other word other than what you have heard from us, you are to dismiss him. That's what Paul said, and he repeated it twice. He said, if it does not line up with the word of God, you reject it. Even if it's an angel from heaven. Seems like that verse doesn't get preached much in the LDS church, does it? Yeah, well, especially when you convince people that that all the other literature that they have is now the word of God, then mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it lines up with the Bible because we've got a bunch more scripture to go along with it, right? Yep. So, all right. That yeah. So, good. so that's felt good. Got a little bit out. <laughs> uh, so, since Patrick didn't go and see his counselor today, uh, <laughs> at least it was good for us to let him let him be. Let him vent a little bit. No, I think it's I think it's fair to say that that yeah, even if Satan couldn't use you as an influential person to lead other people astray, that the best place to have you uh, would be on your way to hell, mm-hmm. sitting in church, believing that you're going to heaven. That yep. would be the that would be the best place to get you because you're not ever going to try to pursue any truth beyond there. You just are a you know a lukewarm uh, believer. And just because you just because you believe in Jesus, you call yourself a believer, believe in God, the demons believed, and that isn't that isn't good enough unless you're actually born again. So there's there mm-hmm. is a good chance that there are people in church that are believers that believe that they are going to heaven and maybe have convinced themselves that they're born again and are actually not, and they could be possessed or certainly oppressed by by demons. Go ahead. So I wanted to bring up just a couple more ideas. We're already past an hour, so I don't know how much longer we want to go on this. I think there's there's certainly enough because I wanted to also get into a little bit more of some other mental illness. We didn't really touch on uh, suicide or depression or anxiety, and I have a lot that I wanted to talk about with those things. So maybe 
maybe we could save it for uh, next month and Another we could episode. do, yeah, we could right. do kind of like an episode two or a follow-up um, rather than just, you know, staying on here for two hours like Zach and I do and driving every listener away. Um, but w- when you're looking at these things, I wanted to briefly go over number one, what to look for. And then number two, how to help these people. I feel like we would be doing everyone a disservice if we didn't at least get into this. So a pastor needs to properly diagnose the person that he is counseling. Are there indicators that there is a spiritual problem beyond what might be a very legitimate physical problem? There might be a physical problem. And remember, where we are all in favor of people seeking what we'll call professional help. Therapist, counselor, psychiatrist, MD, whatever. Okay. I'm not a doctor. I'm going to tell you who to go see or, or what right. for. I will tell you this during some counseling sessions, I have suggested that people go to an MD and get some blood work done and get a physical done because it seems like there might be a chemical imbalance that is causing a problem. And if that exists, we would like to get that looked at. Okay. And then we can come back to some counseling and and there's nothing wrong with that. A pastor needs to properly diagnose the person that he is counseling. Are there indicators that reveal that the person dabbles in the occult? Do they spend a great amount of time engaged in immorality of any sort? Do they uh, take part in any evil practices that might expose them to the demonic? Is there um, substance abuse, drugs, in the Bible, and I'm not going to take the time to go through it all, but you have to understand that drugs in the Bible are related to sorcery and witchcraft. That is part, when it talks about witchcraft, the Bible is explaining, or at least includes, in its explanation of witchcraft and sorcery, it includes drug abuse. So you have substance abuse in there. You have sexual immorality, which we all know is a huge problem in the church nowadays. Uh, Pornography, sex addiction, uh, pedophilia, all of these sexually immoral and perverse things that include all the way down to adultery and adulterous affairs. If any of these things are uh, going on, We talked about any type of dabbling in the occult. Do they have idols present in their home? Caleb, how many times have I been on this podcast and thrown a holy fit over people having idols in their home? And everyone's like, nothing matters. Everything's okay. Idols don't mean anything. You're an idiot. I don't worship it. You're an idiot. It's not okay that you have these idols in your homes. I don't care if you're bowing down to them and praying to them. It doesn't matter. It is hurting you. It is hurting your children. You need to get this right. You need to get this stuff out of your home. And if these things are present, there is opportunity for the devil to work his way in. 
All you the have devil to would do... never. The devil would never mess with somebody that had idols that were biblical characters, though, right? As long as <laughs> oh, it's like, so... if it's Mary or Joseph or Jesus, then yeah. the devil, the devil's not going to mess with you then, right? You can have those kind of idols, right? <laughs> Don't get me started, man. Do not do it. I'm trying to get through this. Okay, so you need to find out: is there a reason for any of this? Uh, along with that, Caleb, can I? Can I? very quickly well i don't care about quickly we're just going to try to get through this here can i go over a little chart that i have which um i don't know maybe i can put it up on the facebook page later it's a comparison of demonic influence and mental disorders the demonic influence is supernatural supernatural knowledge in mental disorders you have hallucinations delusions of psychotic disorders and people saying that God told them so. The demonic influence, we see supernatural strength. These are things we find in the Bible. I'm not going to give you every verse. You can look them up on your own, or you can email me, or you can throw a fit in the comments. Um, Supernatural strength. uh, In mental disorders, unusual strength displayed in bipolar disorder and other psychotic conditions such as catatonic. Um, Going about naked. In the Bible, we find with uh, demon possession, evident in most psychological disorders such as schizophrenia and schizo... There's, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the word because I'm going to sound like an idiot. There are also... Um, we, we went over all of this in, um, in my EMT school. Okay? There are cases with uh, drugs and there are cases with uh, mental disorders. And we watched the videos and saw the people, and it is easy to tell when this is going on because immediately they just take off all their clothes, and they are Looney Tunes. Okay, there is an association uh, between these. Um, the same people sometimes have feats of strength where I've seen it. It take over a dozen cops to get one person on the ground so they could put handcuffs on them, and then they break the handcuffs and take off running again. Uh, they're unable to hear, speak, or uh, be blind. Um, the mental disorder is associated with convulsions and other hysterical disorders. Um, the, the demonic influence can produce seizures. The use of different voices, the presence of distinct personalities, um, all types of bizarre behaviors, which we see in uh, psychosis. Um, the demonic behavior can produce force and violent behavior, claims of demonic influence, involvement in occult practices, forceful, violent um, attacks, loss of personal control. All of these things we see in a variety of mental disorders. And again, I am not saying that every time we see one of these symptoms, we're like, oh, okay, they're a witch. You know, we got to throw them in the water and see if they float. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is if you completely dismiss the spiritual component, when we see legitimate mental disorders, you will never be able to help certain people because there is a spiritual component. You need a spiritual component during the solution. 
if there's demonic oppression, we need the Holy Spirit of God to be part of it. That's all I'm saying is we see this all the time. And today, America is in a state where we dismiss anything that is spiritual. We just write it off. Nope, can't be. Send them to the doctor, give them some drugs. And what we're saying is Jesus saw this stuff happen all the time. We read about it in the Gospels. It seemed like it was taking place every day. And we have to acknowledge that some mental mental uh, illness has a spiritual component. That is my point. Okay. Any problem with anything I said so far? Now I want to go on to the solution. Any issue? You want to jump in with anything? No, that's really good. Okay. Carry on. As far as the solution, I want to read a story of a pastor, and then I want to just give you a little bit of the Bible here. In 2000, a church member asked me to visit her son in the hospital who was in a critical situation. On arriving at the hospital, I learned that the doctors and nurses had tried all they could to do medically and to no avail, uh, and they were in the process of discharging the young man. He could not be restrained, nor was he aware of what he did. We finally took him to the church. I called a few church members who were available at the moment to join in prayer for the deliverance and healing of the young man. After praying for about an hour, the demons in him shouted and then fell down, and then he fell down like a dead person. I asked everyone present, Uh, to leave him alone we continued singing and praising god for about another hour and prayer he woke up and he acted like a new person was surprised that he was in church when he heard what had happened he joined us in praising god now the reason i bring that up is because again movies have destroyed the simplicity which is in christ if you get into some horror movie where someone's possessed by a demon or something, there's always like some little special book that they dug up out of a whatever, you know, archaeological dig, and it has some special incantation that needs to be read out of a language that we've never heard before, you know, or there's some kind of potion involved. It is mumbo jumbo. That is a theological term, folks. Mumbo jumbo. It is nonsense. That's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about two things when it is talking about casting out evil spirits, unclean spirits, demons, and devils. You want to know what those two things are, Caleb? Only two that I ever find. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Boom! Mic dropped. That is all it takes. Now, the problem is that that prayer and fasting is supposed to be done by someone who is spiritually minded, someone who is walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. It is supposed to be done by someone who is, I don't know, uh, resisting the devil so he flees and submitting themselves onto God like we already read about uh, back in, I think it was James chapter 4, verse 7. That's who's supposed to be doing it. And the problem is there's so, so few of those people. Like yeah, 99% that excludes of almost everybody church. in Christianity in America nowadays that's trying to live by the Bible and, and run away you know, from sin. But that's all that's required. It is fasting and prayer. And no one's willing to do those two things. First, no one's willing to admit that there might be a spiritual component to the mental illness. And then, or, and, Let's also include or the physical illness. Okay. And we didn't even get into that, but 
let me give it to you now since we're talking about it demons can cause afflictions luke chapter 13 blindness matthew chapter 12 deafness mark chapter 9 uh the inability to speak matthew chapter 12 uh in matthew chapter 4 those who were uh being oppressed by demons were ill from various diseases and suffered severe pain suffered seizures and paralysis so there are physical issues as well that can be caused by demonic oppression and the bible tells us that it is prayer and it is fasting and that's it now sometimes it takes a while it wouldn't be the first time where i've talked to a pastor and he explained a situation and said you know this guy it took several of us fasting and praying for this guy for weeks on end and we would fast and pray for him and we'd have prayer meetings and all of a sudden slowly but surely he was able to get more and more of his mind under control and then all of a sudden poof demons were gone this guy was in his right mind and he was able to explain the whole thing to us you know and the fight that was going on inside of him so i'm not saying that it's going to be as easy as you know the apostle paul and the apostle peter because paul was literally just working that's it he was working making tents and he took a cotton rag and he wiped off the sweat from his brow and he threw it on the ground and the people who had physical ailments went running over to it and grabbed it and they were healed paul didn't even he wasn't even part of the plan he wasn't even on his lunch break and then peter the people would line the streets so that the shadow of peter would pass over them and they'd be healed no i don't know any of those stories personally i don't know any pastors or preachers or missionaries or evangelists that have had those things done Wait, but you it, haven't been watching <laughs> benny hinn <laughs> is that guy still alive is he i mean <laughs> we, we use his name a lot i mean i don't you know it i don't even know if that guy's still kicking or not um, but th- those things can happen. Okay. I personally have been involved in one, two, three physical healings. Okay. In my life. Uh, and they all took place, uh, within 24 hours. Okay. Where the person was totally healed and never had a problem again. Um, I've also been in- involved in literally thousands of non healings. <laughs> we we fasted and we prayed and they didn't get any better uh so i don't have a you know i don't have a a magical whatever you know it's it's not up to me it's it's as the spirit wills but it is literally just fasting and prayer that is what does it there's no magic book with magic words said in a certain order in this mystical language with a little trinket you have to wave around you know and some like you know some potion that you have to mix up that's all hollywood nonsense jesus talks about these kind goeth out by prayer and fasting that's what happens okay so um that that's all it takes sometimes it takes uh a longer time um many times it happens instantly but either way it is something that we all have the ability to do walk in the spirit 
live a clean, godly life, submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he shall flee, get sin out of your life, and fast and pray with other Christians like yourself, and you can start healing people. You can start helping with oppression from devils and demons. There is nothing required other than the blood of Christ. Have you been born again? Can you tell me when, where, and how you were saved? Can you bring me to a place and say, Patrick, this is where I got saved. Right here. It was on this day. And I called on the Lord Jesus to save me because I knew I was a sinner. Okay, did you have a time when you were born again? Okay, great. Were you baptized by immersion? Were you dunked in the water? Baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost? Nothing fancy there, but was it done? Or... Or if it wasn't immersion, at least more than 30 drops, right? Yeah, was it was it up to 45% of your body? <laughs> okay, were you, were you baptized? Because those are the only two things that show me that you are on your way. From there on, it's just a process of sanctification. From that day forward, you are just trying to obey God. You are trying to submit to God and resist the devil so he shall flee. That's all you're trying to do. So if you're born again and you've been baptized, I'm pretty sure everything in the Bible shows me that you have all the authority you need. Okay, that's it. The power is there. Holy Spirit of God's living inside of you. All we're doing is praying that that power will do the work for the person in front of us. That's it. Caleb, any thoughts on that? I don't want to oversimplify it. But I'm just sick and tired of Hollywood ruining it for us. And I think that because Hollywood is such a force, I think it keeps Christians scared of doing this. It keeps Christians scared of doing their duty as a Christian to help those who are under demonic oppression. Right. Yeah, I think in listening to you talk about some of this, it, it reminds me of what you would read about in situations of revival where revival breaks out and people start seeking God. They start repenting. They start turning away from their sin. They start seeing spiritual deliverance and people are saved by the hundreds or thousands. And there's radical supernatural things that are happening. And it makes me, it makes me realize and is convicting to me even in my own life as we as we're used to going to church with the same people every week we're used to the humdrum of you know just we sit there and we do our devotions and we read our bible and we say our prayers but do we really believe in in god to be supernaturally active in our lives and the lives of people around us to deliver us from uh, you know this spiritual bondage or oppression and you know we joke about it like, you know, you know, I say probably 99% of people in church aren't walking after the spirit. <laughs> They're walking after the flesh. And so therefore their prayers are in vain. But the Bible literally says that our, if we don't want our prayers to be hindered, we need to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. And so mm-hmm. 
those of us that are continuing to continue to embrace a life of sin and continuing to allow the door open for the devil, how useful can we be and how likely is it that we see God working through us like he did through Peter or Paul or through there may be some there may be some of these modern day people that are are actually casting out devils or healing people and it's real. I tend to be pretty cynical and when somebody becomes an expert or a professional and they go on TV and start a show, I assume it's probably fake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most likely as soon as the dollars start rolling in, I'm like, yeah, that's probably <laughs> What was that theological term that you said? Uh, yada yada, whatever it was. <laughs> um, it's a bunch of yeah. bunch of hooey. Yeah, hocus pocus uh, nonsense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I'll so that's that's we're usually dismissive of it because when we see when we see these modern day examples of it, obvi- obviously, most of the time it's probably it's probably not real. It's probably a show. But uh, that's again, the devil's alive and well and wants us to be dismissive of of supernatural uh, acts of God and being able to remove him from his life. As long as he can keep us in that, in that uh, middle ground, that lukewarm place where we don't really actually call out to God for deliverance. We're willing to just stay in bondage to Satan. That's right where he wants us. So yeah, I would, I would say it's, it would be exciting to me to, to be a part of a real authentic move of God where God was delivering people on a regular basis, healing them uh, around Christians who were fasting and praying on a regular basis that weren't embracing sin and that there was real revival. That's, I mean, isn't that what every Christian wants? That's what we, that's what nope. you, <laughs> no, it is not, want, right? Caleb. <laughs> not even close. That's what a very, very, very small group of true believers want. And even less of them are willing to do what it takes to get it. Right. But it's what we should want. It's what we should yes. be desiring as Christians. And yes. we should be willing to pay the price. So. Yes. Yeah. Okay, everybody. It wraps uh, it up. We want to thank you for joining us here on the Bible Thumper podcast where somebody's got to say it. Please visit us online at www.biblethumperpodcast.com. You can find my email there and contact information. You can find our podcasts and links to wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find our Facebook and YouTube channel there. Uh, so all the information you need, uh, is in one spot now, biblethumperpodcast.com. So please, uh, follow us on every social media platform that you possibly can, uh, and subscribe to the podcast, share it around. Uh, hopefully it'll help someone else. I'm really glad that we got to talk about this subject. Uh, I think it was beneficial i think we covered a lot of good information and gave some people some good stuff to you know think about and i would like to talk more about um, mental health as opposed to you know kind of what we described as mental illness and demonic oppression and uh, maybe next month caleb you and i can talk or we can focus our conversation on demonic oppression and mental health which is also you know a big problem in america today even in the churches so i think that would be a that would be a good conversation yeah we should also try to look up some of those uh potions or whatever too we could do an on air we could do an on air exercise no 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 no, no. if if we can find some potions that help with um expelling demonic oppression we can sell those on the bible thumper podcast website (laughs) so we'll we'll take a look at at if we can get any of those together by next week
All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us, Caleb. Thank you, as always. We'll catch everybody next week, every Sunday night at around 7 p.m. You can catch us here on the Bible Thumper podcast where somebody's got to say it.